0: Hello, and welcome to Things That Make You Go Woo. I'm your host, Emily Barnard, also known as Emily and Her Stars. I'm a medium, an astrologist, an Akashic Records reader, an artist, and an all around just silly and curious gal. In this podcast, I'll be sharing the things and people I find fascinating, funny, and inspirational. Things that I hope will certainly make you go woo, too. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode titled Rock Your Heart Out. Do you collect things? Does your spouse, roommate, significant other ever get annoyed when you bring home another object? Do they say, are you seriously bringing that into the house? (laughs) Well, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a collector. And while I like to blame it on my zodiac sign being in Taurus, which is ruled by the planet Venus. Venus is all about love, beauty, aesthetic taste, art, charm, harmony, things that we like to surround ourselves with to make us feel comfortable, etc. You can see why having things around me is important. But that being said, you actually need to know a little bit more about me because I grew up in a jewelry store. In fact, my dad is a jeweler. And so I was around precious and semi-precious stones, rare and exotic metals from really as early as I can remember. I somehow instinctually knew that sparkle was important. If we dropped a stone on the floor of our 1800s building we were going to look in the cracks of that craggy old wood floor until we found it because that stone was more important than anything else. Now we had gold nuggets, gold dust, raw pieces of lapis and jade around. And I'm not saying this to brag at all because I ended up taking long naps in our safe and I would even put all the rings on my fingers at the end of the day when we put the stock away. But all of this to say rather that I knew from a very early age that rocks are important to people. But why do we collect? Why are we drawn to collect? have multiples of things. I mean, we collect everything from artwork to dishes that belong to our grandmothers, rare plants, jewelry, furniture, unusual recipes. Some of us collect stamps on our passport, or even dare I say cats. No judgment maybe a little judgment, sorry. (laughs) But whatever your jam is, like, I get it. There's something about having multiples of one thing in particular that make us feel successful, or feel like that we have something of value that's important and different than everybody else. So what is the history of collecting? I'm a big fan of googling things. And the first thing I wanted to know was how long have humans been collecting like what's our current knowledge of this history according to wikipedia they give credit to the region known as mesopotamia this is the area between the tigris and euphrates river it's the cradle of early civilization with the babylonian and sumerian cultures who are also given credit for essentially inventing the wheel farming cereals early mathematics, astronomy, you get the idea. They were pretty hip and advanced. And the idea that they are the very first collectors just doesn't sit well with me. However, as you move through the time period, we come to the Egyptian Ptolemaic dynasty, who is credited with collecting books from all over the world and putting them into what we have lost and now know as the Library of Alexandria. What I wouldn't give for an unsupervised Sunday afternoon in that library. We also know that the Medici family in Florence during the Renaissance is given credit for one of the first private art collections. And today we have museums and galleries and collections all over the world. Probably we collect now more than we ever have before. However, I believe there is one thing in particular more than any other thing that we collect. And it's rocks. Yeah, rocks. I mean, I know for me, if I visit a faraway distant land, I'll bring a little rock home. Nothing spectacular, but something to remind me of that place. And when I ran across this article in March of 2021, it really solidified this idea for me. The article was titled, 105,000 year old crystal collection. Let me just tell you this got my woo antenna standing straight up because this is something I need to know more about. The article is about a study done by a group from Griffith university out of Australia, led by Jane Wilkins. And she did some super important work in South Africa. A little history about archaeology in South Africa. It contains some of the earliest sites we have for Homo sapiens. And it's long been believed that the coasts and coastal regions of predominantly any country, but specifically this region, have always been where behavioral innovation began. While groups of people living inland and away from the coast tended to lag behind and take longer to catch up. Kind of like LA and New York with their judgy eyes, thinking that Kansas and Nebraska don't have cell phones or Wi Fi and don't even know who Lizzo is. <laughs> okay, I, I get it. This has been a dominant narrative that's remained really for decades. But truly, it stems from. F- Find being able to find a well-preserved inland early Homo sapiens site. It's just incredibly rare. And this article was so exciting because here in the expansive savanna of the Kalahari of South Africa, we're talking 350 to 375 miles inland from the coast, is this rock shelter. And it's located on Gamohana Hill. And... It's not just a slight cave, but more of a large expansive space with a rock overhang. It faces just about north-northeast and is even used today by the locals for spiritual and personal practices. So the archaeologists have been working together with the locals and have found evidence of human activity within this rock shelter, this cave, between 100 and 110,000 years old. So how do they know that this is what they've got? Well, they use these fancy lab techniques called OSL, which I'm not going to pretend to know or understand anything about. But I will tell you that what I read, it's generally considered optical stimulated luminescence, OSL. And through this, they measure the natural light signals that accumulate over time in sedimentary quartz and feldspar. Or as Dr. Michael Meyer says, you can think of each grain as a miniaturized clock from which we can read this natural light or luminescence signal, giving us the age of the archeological sedimentary layers I mean, that's pretty fancy, right? But I think what's even more fascinating is what they discovered in this shelter, 22 white calcite crystals all together. And when you think about crystals, these aren't your traditional quartz crystal flat on one end, sort of obelisk-shaped with a point at the top. No, no, no. These are flat, more like your credit card and parallelogram or rhombus shaped. So they're not quite perfect squares or rectangles. They've got a few more sides, but they're all relatively similar in size and they're not from South Africa. There are no other deposits of these minerals anywhere near this site. They are not known to come from this region And I did a little more studying from my Encyclopedia of Crystals by Judy Hall. And this is a great book. I recommend if you have any interest in stones. Personally, I love it because it's in rainbow color order and I can look up the stones by color. Anyway, that's beside the point. If you look up calcite, the sources it states are U.S., United Kingdom, Belgium, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Peru, Iceland, Romania, Brazil, these are not areas anywhere near South America. Why would they keep calcite crystals? Where, where did they get them? I'm fascinated by this. But what's interesting is that these crystals now in this site, buried with tools and sediment and other things, they have no utilitarian purpose that we know of. That's to say they're not starting fires with these, they aren't looking at the sun through them like Vikings and their seer stones. No, we don't know what these stones were there for. Today we use calcite in production for lime and construction. There's no need for them to have that in a cave 105,000 years ago. They weren't on a massive construction site. So I wanted to know a little bit more about the medical properties of calcite. You know, it's one of the stones that can help you recover from an injury. It reduces stress and tension. It strengthens bones and teeth, supports blood clotting, even helps lower your blood pressure. So those are all things that could be incredibly handy to have around. But on top of that, if you look at some of the metaphysical properties for calcite, It's known to help strengthen our psychic abilities, help with astral projection, clearing chakras. It encourages your own natural abilities as well as your self-confidence. It boosts trust and optimism, reduces limiting beliefs. I'm telling you, I got to get some of this on my shopping list now. (laughs) Why collect rocks? Because no matter what, at the end of the day, They feel good. I'm 40 something years old and I have known from as early as I can remember that rocks are special. And if I need a report that says people have been collecting rocks for 105,000 years just so that I can bring home another one, you can bet your pants I'm gonna use it in all my arguments. So if you need to bring anything home this week, feel free to use this episode with your significant other and let them know that collecting is just part of who we are as humans. And sometimes we don't understand the reason behind why we need something. We just know that it feels good. And sometimes that's the only reason we need. Now get out there and rock your heart out. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Things That Make You Go Woo. You can help me out by leaving a positive rating and a review wherever you downloaded this episode. Be sure and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Emily and Her Stars. You can also reach out via email anytime, EmilyandHerStars at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Things That Make You Go Woo.